It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. USB 66.7 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I am here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in the garden. If you're a beginner gardener, fine. Give me a call and we'll talk about your beginning garden questions. If you're an experienced gardener and have run into something that just doesn't quite seem right in the garden, then give me a call again. We'll give you give your question complete utter attention, make sure that we know what you want, and then find a way to get you where you want to be. Our number is 404-872-0750. On Twitter, if you have a Twitter account, you can put a hashtag AskWalter on Twitter and ask questions that way. Ashley will read your question. We'll scan through Twitter every once in a while this morning, and we'll read through your question and get it answered on the air as well. 404-872-0750 or AskWalter, hashtag AskWalter on Twitter. It's been a great week. I've just enjoyed so much basically just sitting outside. Haven't done a lot of gardening this week, I'll be honest with you. I planted my tomatoes finally and uh, made a big raised bed that I wanted to use as sort of a nurse bed for plants that I've gotten in the last week or so and needed a place to put until I think of a good place to put them in the landscape, so I made a raised bed. But basically, I sat on my front porch and watched birds build nests and listened to the crows talk to each other in the trees and listened to the Little hawks, I guess the little hawks have not hatched out, or maybe they are hatched out as last year's hawks. I don't know who is actually talking to each other up in the trees, but the hawks are all over the place, talking to each other. The hawks want to say things to each other about what's going on and what's been happening in their lives. And so I had a great time just sitting on my front porch, just watching, listening, closing my eyes sometimes and hearing what's going on in the landscape around me. And that's something you can do, too. I think there's a lot of things that you maybe don't listen to closely when you're just sort of walking through from the house to the car, from the car to the garage, or going up the street to talk to a neighbor. But if you sit for a while and open your ears, close your eyes, open your ears, you hear things that you may not have heard otherwise. I heard a hummingbird before it came. I didn't know what it was. It was that sort of sound of the wings of a hummingbird. I listened to it. And I thought, oh, where is that hummingbird? I looked up in the trees. I looked over the flowers and the Hummingbird couldn't be seen quite yet, but he could hear him flying around somewhere, and he would turn out he was above my gutters, and he was inspecting something from up there. But I got to hear the hummingbird before the hummingbird became actually visible to my eyes. If you have something you'd like to hear in the garden, give me a call tell me what it is. And if you have something particularly that you want to build in the garden that you have an idea for, give me a call as well, because I have a lot of ideas of things that I want to build I just finished a <clears throat> big stack stone sculpture kind of thing in my front yard that I think is lots of fun. <laughs> I don't know what my neighbors think about it, but I thought it was a lot of fun. And so I have got things out there that I'm playing with, too. If you're playing with things, if you have ideas or you have questions, 404-872-0750. Our first caller this morning comes to us from the great county of Spalding this morning and our friend Nicole. Hey, Nicole. Good morning. Welcome to Lolly Garden. Mr. Reeves. Hi, Nicole. What's going on? You've been working a lot, too, huh? In your I yard? can't say working. I did the stones, lifting stones up and down. That was a, mm, an afternoon's worth of work. But most of the time, 
frankly, I've just been sitting, reading, listening, and that's been pretty pleasurable to me. I could smell my, my Confederate jasmine is blooming this week, and so I could smell that from where I was sitting. It's not not a bad life, not a bad life, Nicole. I think uh, the more we're getting older, the more we appreciate things because uh, we, we're not as rushed I, like we used to be at 30 or 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I appreciate mean, stuff. I more. don't have kids in the house anymore. I don't have to take them anywhere. I don't have uh, big appointments and things that I have to do as in you know, my career. I just sit on the front porch, wave at the kids as they walk past coming back from school, wave at them for a little while, and that's it. It's nice. Uh, uh, one thing uh, notice this time of year, well, the street thing. What? But the first is this bird at night. He's by himself and looking for a girlfriend. He's <laughs> been like two weeks every night, every night. So that's a good sign that he's still here. Yeah. I don't know his name, but Teresa, she knew her name, his so, name. There was one here in the parking garage at WSB. Not anymore. But I used to hear him every morning when I drive into the, into the parking garage. I hear this bird tweet, tweet, tweet outside. I don't know if he was tweeting at the lamppost, the you know, night lights around the parking garage, or what that bird was thinking about, because I don't think his girlfriend was awake. She never came and you know, said, shut up, I'm here, or anything. He just tweet, tweet, tweet all morning long. Uh, another second thing, second thing is the, uh, oh, I hate it, boy, smell good. This private. Oh, boy, it does smell good, though. <laughs> it's one of those things that people send me pictures of the shrubs and say, what is this? It's highly fragrant. That's what somebody said this past week. It's highly fragrant shrub. What could it be? Of course, it's privet or sometimes ligustrum, which is an ornamental shrub. It still has the same fragrant flowers on it. And uh, you're right. It's very, very fragrant. And one thing during this year, that one time during the year, the privet has something to positive to say about it, I guess. The rest of the time it's sort of bedraggled and then spreads into your garden and then birds eat the seeds, of course, but it sure does spread. I have this privet that don't sh don't have seed. Yeah. And is the bloom are a lot bigger, and if you bring them inside, well, the whole house smells like privet. <laughs> uh, I mean, this time of the year is just, it's just uh, incredible. Yeah. Um, the third thing... Um, forgot. <laughs> the third thing is, uh, oh, last year, Mr. Reed, because they rained so much, yeah. did you see the roses this year? They are great, aren't they? Because of all this water, it just makes a big difference from one year. If one year is dry, like I've, two, three years I, ago. I've observed the same thing, that roses this year have just been spectacular, just blooming, 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 lots of roses up on top, down in the shrub, just lots and lots of flowers on roses. It's a great year for roses. Yeah, sure is. I have the kind, uh, they call it uh, Romeo and Juliet. Uh -huh. They're small, really small, but I find out that uh, they spread. For some reason, underneath the ground, rhizome. Yeah. And I had one, now I had three or four, and I said, wow. boy, that's, that's a good, uh, I have this big old guy in the back, the, uh, I don't know his name. Well, I tried to kill him, but you cannot kill him. I don't know about that. I've killed roses pretty easily myself. Which one do you have? Uh, that's why I was trying to find the name. Well, I took it so because it got so big. I took it down probably uh, eight inches. Yeah. Ugh. It's yeah. worse. It's just comeback worse. <laughs> it's just taking too much room. That's why, you know. But it's just uh, people I love rose. That I saw a lot of women looking for pink rose this year. Yeah. I, one of the um, flowers, one of the roses in my front garden by the street, 
I planted it. It was called Climbing Pinky because it's a pinky rose is the real name of it, but it was a climbing form that had you know, climbed up a little arbor that I had out there. And over the years, it got black spot and various diseases, and finally the climbing pinky part of the rose died. But the grafted understock, the one that it was grafted to originally, started sprouting, and it grew. It has perfectly nice big red flowers on it. They don't have any fragrance to them at all. But I thought, you know, it's just as enjoyable to, to look and watch and see and smell these little red roses that come from the understock as it is to see the climbing pinky that I had before. The rose, whatever it does, it's always got something interesting going on with it. So whenever they graft them, do they return to the original stock? Yeah, the 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 understock, the ones that's grafted too, is a very vigorous rose. I don't remember which one is used. It's like Professor Sargent or something like that. A very vigorous rose that has real big roots on it, and they graft the good rose, the one you want, to the top of it. And if the one on top <clears throat> dies, then the rose underneath, the professor sergeant or whatever the name is, it sprouts out and becomes growing too. And it can take over sometimes over the, the good rose up, up top. So uh, the original is probably one uh, around across the street. You know, the one that grew in the ditch? Well, they have a Cherokee rose that grows in the ditch a lot. I see roses. Oh, boy. This yeah. thing, if we bring it at your house... It takes 10 years to just get rid of this. Uh, that's probably that's what happened. They take a really tough one yeah, yeah. and graft it with something else. Yeah, that's part of the science and skill of grafting is to find something that grows real nicely, but maybe doesn't have the prettiest flower, the prettiest fruit, or just doesn't look right, quite right in the garden or landscape, but find a way to graft onto it something that is big-fruited or big flowers has a great good characteristic because a lot of things are grafted. The maple trees many times are grafted. Japanese maples are and roses certainly and lots of other things too. And as a matter of fact, have you seen one of the grafted tomatoes, Nicole? Oh, no. I didn't know they do that. Yes, 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 yes. yes. I went to Pike uh, earlier this past week and Pike has these grafted tomatoes called Mighty, Mighty Maters, I think is the brand name for them. And they are tomatoes that have been grafted the the good part, the good tomato, is grafted onto a very vigorous rootstock. And uh, they say they're more disease-resistant and get bigger tomatoes on them and just a better, superior plant. So you can get grafted tomatoes. The, the, uh, you put them in the ground or you still yeah, yeah, leave yeah. them? You put them in the ground. The grafted part goes, you know, goes in the ground, and the upper part grows just fine, looks like to me. And it's not hard particularly to do it. It's a little touchy at the very beginning because you have to put the two stems together and then keep them in a, a very humid environment while they heal and, and sort of graft onto each other. But once they're grafted onto each other, the uh, stem continues to grow and the tomato grows tall and has the big tomatoes on it. It brings some of the good parts of uh, disease resistance, I think, that the understock had. I used to watch you on TV, uh, I don't know, Saturday afternoon, and you were showing... At, you've done uh, one or two uh, parts on that and was watching you. You have to cut it really. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. I had a, had a pecan guy one time that showed me how to graft pecans. We had a citrus guy that did citrus grafting. And another that I've forgotten now what he was doing. <laughs> there was three, I think, grafting segments that we did uh, when I was on TV, yeah. Probably peaches. Could have been. Peaches. Could have been. Could have been. Well, I got to get out. Six eighteen. I knew Jason was sending me a little note saying, "Hi, are you going to leave anytime soon?" I got to get out of here. Unfortunately, Nicole. So next week you're going to be on site. Next week I will be where? Next week I'll be at uh, Underpriced Furniture, and I'll be here next week. I'm sure I will. All right. All right. Enjoy See you your then. day. See you today. Enjoy your day as well, Nicole. At six nineteen, we'll be back. After
after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, mostly sunny, high of 90 degrees, low 66 tonight, tomorrow. Same thing, basically, mostly sunny all day long, high of 90 degrees, low of 66. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. John and Roswell, stick around. We're going to be with you in just a second. First, though, Michael in Smyrna called a little bit earlier and was with us this morning. Hey, Michael, good morning. Hey, morning, Walter. Hey, what's up, John? Michael? I, I just had my uh, backyard uh, sodded with uh, Zeon Zoysia. Yeah. And uh, they did a great job. They rototilled it, put down some topsoil, and, uh, you know, so nice preparation and all. Yeah. Told me to water it twice a day. Yeah. And just wondering, is that uh, right twice a day? And how long would you suggest? When will mm. I know if it's rooted? And, you know, when would I need to put a first fertilizer on it? What they might not have told you is that sometimes it's just a matter of your own observation and judgment about how long, how often, and how much. The goal, of course, you know this, is to keep the sod moist and yeah. give the soil underneath it a little bit moist, too. The goal is not to make it so soggy that you step on it and it goes, you know, <laughs> as you walk across the yard. That's way too soggy, and you don't want to do that either. Okay. So telling you whether to run it for five minutes or an hour or something like that, not even knowing what kind of sprinkler system you have and what the capacity of your sprinkler system is, it's hard for me to tell. Yeah. Generally speaking, if you take a couple of soup cans and go out and measure how much water your sprinkler system puts out in, in 30 minutes or 15 minutes or so you have an idea, you want to put out around a quarter of an inch twice a day. Okay. That should keep it pretty soggy, pretty moist, and not too soggy. And then it depends on the temperature. At 90 degrees, you may need those full you know, two watering um, two waterings per day that I recommended. But then if it got down to 75 or 70, something like that, you might only need one because it wouldn't evaporate quite as fast. Yeah. Now, you'll know when it's rooted down because you would, frankly, go out there and just pull on it. It'll be rooted down. That's how you know when it's rooted completely. Perfect. And your goal eventually, Michael, is to wean it off, go from twice a day down to once every couple of days, down to once a week. And that's your final goal in the summertime. If it gets real hot, to water it once a week. So don't think about watering it every day during the summer, but once a week is about right when it's good and rooted down. Okay. All right. Sounds great. Got to go, man. We'll see you soon, Michael. Thanks for calling. Thanks, Walter. Bye-bye. It's 628, excuse me, and we'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 6.36 on a Saturday morning, 66 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves with Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful about anything you want to try in the garden. And one of the things you want to avoid is the Asian ambrosia beetle. Talked to a caller off the air just a second ago who had a big cherry tree, big mature cherry tree. He said it bloomed great this spring. 
And then now the blooms are still hanging onto it, no leaves on it at all. What is going on with my cherry tree? It's been so pretty for the last several years. And I theorized to him, Asian ambrosia beetle, because I have seen it so frequently on flowering cherries, on Japanese maples, dogwoods, and figs. Those are the four plants that I see the Asian ambrosia beetle. And I say, you go out there and look at that cherry tree, look for the little half-inch long toothpicks coming out of the bark. That is what it looks like when you have a bunch of the female beetles boring into the trunk of the tree, cutting off the water to the leaves and the blossoms. That's why the leaves turn brown or don't come out at all, because the Asian ambrosia beetle has caused it not to be able to make new leaves. It's interrupted the water flow in the tree. If you have a cherry tree, my neighbor Noel down the street from me, Noel had a cherry tree two years ago now that just stopped, just stopped growing. And all the leaves turned brown almost overnight, she said. And I went and looked, and sure enough, Asian ambrosia beetle toothpicks on it. Go look and see if you have a cherry tree that's not looking like it ought to look this time of year. Could possibly be. David is out in Tucker, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David. Hey, you're going to be at the Tucker Days uh, Street Fair today? I might run over there a little bit for this afternoon, David. I sure might. Thanks for let, reminding me. Sure. Um, well, one, I wonder if there's any progress on you know that one disease that affects knockout roses. Um, and another thing, I've got a couple that are really underperforming. Uh, two of their pals are doing fine, yeah. but not getting any progress out of two of them. They're all planted the same way, too small a hole, but the other two have overcome it, and the other yeah. two have. You're talking about roses still, David? Still knockouts. Okay. Well, the answer to the first question about rose rosette virus is still around. I still see it pretty commonly around. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned to you seeing another one on La Vista Road between um, Montreal and Fraser, I guess it was. There's a house there that has a big one, about ooh, six feet tall and eight feet wide, covered up in rose rosette virus. And I don't know the people. I think the house may even be empty right now, so there's no... No way to tell them they ought to dig it up and get rid of it. But it is still still with us, very much very with us. As far as why the one didn't perform, uh, you know, many times when you have two or three that do the, that perform as you expect and one does it, it's root system somewhere. So I'd be tempted to dig up the one that's not doing so well, David, and see how the roots look. Okay. Right. Okay. You can learn, learn a lot from that. The roots sometimes will be uh, twisted around and kinked up from where they moved it from one container to another container. There can be all sorts of things that just happen with the roots that you can't see until you really dig and examine and wash the dirt off the roots and see what's going on. Okay, I will do that. All right. Have fun at Tucker. I'll see you there, David. Okay, bye-bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take David's place. Michael is with us. Hey, Michael. Good morning. Hey, good morning there, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, I got an issue before I figured I'd snatch it before it started. Yeah. Oh, past three years in a row, I've been, I've gotten some algae or something in my, in my garden. Yeah. And the first year I planted it, it started about mid, mid season. And it looks like the, just like everything's burning up when it's not. Wow. And it'll start at the base of the plant on my tomatoes, like these little brown spots. And then it'll work its way up to the leaves, and it turns the leaves yellow and brown, and eventually they die. That sounds like early and blight. My, There's a disease of tomatoes, very common, called early blight. And that's exactly what it starts. It starts at lower on the plant, then moves up the leaves. Makes them turn yellow, they fall off. Early blight. It, 
it got my it gets my squash and it gets my cucumbers too later on. It just spreads mm. through the whole garden like wildfire. Unfortunately, uh, mine, the, the disease early blight only affects tomatoes and eggplant and you know okay. members of that particular family, but not squash and not the melons and things like that because they're different families, different classes of uh, okay. vegetables. So there's something okay. different happening to the squash. It's not early blight on the squash, I don't think. Yeah, because it looks about the same. I mean, it's yellow in the yellow in the leaves, and then it turns it brown, and then they die off. Mm. One year it got it about the beginning of the growing season when it first started to grow. Last year it got it about mid-season, right yeah. as my tomatoes and everything. I got a couple of good things off of the squash and then a couple of good rounds off of the cucumbers. But right as my tomatoes were turning red, that's when it finally got them. Wow. So you're saying it's, <laughs> it's happening right now? Is that what you're saying, or you want to head it off? I want to stop. I want to stop it before it even happens. A good friend of mine who's been gardening for a while told me to just take a little bit of Epsom salt and just sprinkle it around in the, in the on the soil and water it in real good. Mm, probably not. I'm a, I'm afraid. Yeah, I'm afraid that if I do that, it's going to burn my plants up. No, Epsom salt has very little active salts or anything that's going to burn the roots of the plant. It's magnesium sulfate. And okay. people believe that the soil doesn't have enough magnesium and causes it to, to you know, react very nicely with the plants if they don't have enough magnesium. But frankly, we have plenty of magnesium in garden soils in Georgia. There's no need to yep. put more on, and so I don't think the Epsom salt is any kind of miracle addition for okay. you. But, you know, I would love to see some pictures of this, Michael. If you will, okay. take some pictures and put it on my website as the Name That Plant area on my okay. website. I'll look at it and see if I see right. anything that ju jumps out at me. We'll see. We'll see if anything's okay. there. All right. That'll work. All Thank right. you so much, sir. Thank you. Michael, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Great talking to you, too. You have a good one, Walter. Thank you. Denise up in Marietta says she has a question about rose rosette disease as well. Hey, Denise. Good morning. Hey, good morning. So I had noticed it on my plants up here in Marietta and walking around the neighborhood, saw it yeah. several places as well. But what disturbed me is walking around Midtown, 10th Avenue, 8th Street, all those little cute little gardens in the middle of yeah and there's a bunch of rose rosette oh man you know it used to be a big uh, plant of roses here in front of white columns the wsb headquarters and on peachtree street they had rosette about four years ago i guess and i told them and they said well we're going to see this grow out of it maybe it killed them dead no roses anymore in front of the white columns building here could have been the WSB gave the disease to the ones on down the street from us. I don't know. Is there any way, like, community signs to go up to tell them? Because I think nobody owns these. They're in the middle of the triangles and all that oh. kind of stuff, as well as in front of apartment complexes. And it's just like, I hate wow. seeing Denise, it. Yeah, you hate it because the rose rosette virus is spread by the little tiny mites. And they're so small, they go on the wind. And so the infected plants that may be on the street level there can go into the little you know, subdivision houses that are back off the street and off Peachtree Street. It can spread very readily from one infected plant to others just in the neighborhood, a quarter mile away sometimes. But I can't think of a way to let everybody know, Denise, other than put a sign or try to investigate of who owns who put these roses out here, who needs to do something about it. I don't have a idea of what to do about that case. I'm almost to the point where I want to put some, you know, those house for sale kind of signs yeah. carrying around with me, and when I see it, just plant them. Just plant it, <laughs> yeah, sure. Rose Rosette. Rose Somebody. Rosette. If you haven't seen Rose <laughs> Rosette, here's a good example. This shrub needs to be dug up and destroyed. Yeah. Do what you can, Denise. I don't have a solution for you. But thank uh, you for noting that, that if you're observant and see roses that have the rosette on it, 
And if you know who owns the rose, then tell them to get it out of there because it certainly is infectious to other roses in the neighborhood. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, All thank right. you. Yeah, Denise. Thanks for calling. Sure. Bye. Rose Rosette, if you don't know what it looks like, on roses, everything comes out really red, really broomy, and really thorny. It is a terrible disease. It'll wipe them out. It will kill a rose in two months, three months maybe, from getting it. And so you don't want to have rose rosette, and particularly you don't want to have roses that you don't know who owns them that are infected other roses in the neighborhood. Sandra from Gillsville, Georgia, comes to us. Hey, Sandra, good morning. Good morning. What's going on with the apple tree? Um, it's a, it's a, I call it my sterile apple tree. We haven't had any apples on it in years. But it bloomed profusely this year, yeah. and um, then a lot of the blooms and the attending leaflets around it just shriveled up. I probably have a dozen apples out there now. Do the ends of the branches crook mm-hmm. over a little bit, bend over like a shepherd's crook? Do the leaves ever look really blackened on the ends of the branches? Well, they will probably turn black. I looked out there yesterday, and they look kind of brown. But I was so disappointed to see just even the blooms shriveled up first, and then the leaves around it did. One of the reasons you pay me the big bucks that you do, Sandra, (laughs) is to tell you what it looks like or sounds like or feels like to me. It feels and sounds like a disease called fire blight on apples. It happens on pears, too. But on Uh apples, the symptom is pretty pretty common going to be the ends of the branches, the blooms and things like that shrivel up, turn uh-huh. brown, and then turn black afterwards because it fire blights what it gives to the name. It gets sort of blackened and the leaves uh-huh. uh, look like they got scorched. So there's not a great cure for fire blight. The sad thing is it's a bacterial disease, and uh-huh. the only way to prevent it or to treat it is to spray a bactericide, not a fungicide, not an insecticide, but a bactericide, okay. and streptomycin is sometimes available. I've seen it at Pike before. I've seen it at hardware stores before, but it's not commonly available. You get it online, certainly. Mm-hmm. Go look online. Look at my website if you want to, just for the worst fire blight. I'm going to show pictures of Bradford pear and apples and edible pears and things like that that have fire blight on them and see if it looks like what you have. Okay. If it looks like what you have, each page that I have pictures of the disease says this is what you need to spray for it, streptomycin. In some cases, you can use um, copper fungicides, but they cause the fruit to be a sort of speckled brown. It doesn't hurt the taste, doesn't hurt the fruit at mm-hmm. all, but it rusts the mm-hmm. fruit a little bit. Mm-hmm. So check that out. But fire blight would be my very first suspicion when you talk about the ends of the branches shriveling yeah. up. Sounds yeah. like fire blight to me. Is, uh, is there anything that I could do before it blooms or as it blooms to prevent that? Could I spray that yeah, early? Yeah, if, if you spray the bacteria side early, before the blooms early. even open okay. up, because the bees okay. are actually what transmits the disease from bloom to bloom to twig to twig. It's honeybees uh-huh. that come in and visit the flowers early in the apple's life. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So uh, you can do that. And the other thing to do, if you decide that you do have fire blight, prune them all out. Don't let them stay on the tree. Prune them out and sterilize your pruner. I have directions for that. Sterilize your pruner after you make every cut. Okay. Well, you know, one of the things uh, about this is that we prune every year thinking, mm-hmm. you know, well, we'll get apples next year. Uh, and we did not prune it last year just as an experiment to see sure. if we would get more blooms. And we did. We got lots more blooms, but we still don't have any apples to go. 
because of the fire block now. Possibly, possibly it didn't get pollinated is another, another example, another uh, possibility. It just didn't get pollinated by other apples in the vicinity, but... I sure, boy, it sure does sound like fire blight. Go, go to my website, Santa, look up the pictures and see what you see and see if you don't think it looks like fire blight to you, too. Thanks. Thanks for calling. i got to go. It's 648. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. It's all right, riding around in the breeze, well, it's all right. If you live the life you please, well, Everything is all right in your garden. It's just a little difference in behavior. Sometimes you don't expect to happen. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Mostly sunny today, high of 90 degrees, low of 66 overnight. Tomorrow, you guess it. High of 90 degrees and low of 66 overnight. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And here's a great thing. Clark Howard, as you know, our famous man to get the plan, to get the get the cheapest rates on just about anything you want to do. The Burnett Stripers baseball is a great family value all summer. And now WSB's Clark Howard is getting you a Clark Smart ticket price on May 23rd at Cool Ray Field. Nine ninety-five infield box seats, and Clark is going to be there that night. We'll throw out the first pitch. All you have to do is go to stripers.com, stripers.com, and use the promo code Clark. Clark Howard night will be the Gwinnett uh, Stripers versus the Durham Bulls, May twenty-third, seven o five p.m. Go to stripers.com, use the promo code Clark. We also this morning have a giveaway to the. Let's see, to the Penny Henry Hydrangea Festival, right, Ashley? And so, shall we take a number? Is that what you want to do? Sure. We can uh, give, I think it's a four-pack of tickets. Four-pack. All right, cool. Out of Douglasville. Out of Douglasville, June the 2nd and 3rd, if I'm not mistaken. Big Hydrangea Festival going on out there. What do you want? Caller number three. Caller number three. To our contest line is 404-741-0750. Don't wake anybody up by calling the wrong number. 404-741-0750. That's the number to win the four-pack of tickets to the Penny McHenry Hydrangea Festival. It is a great thing. They have beautiful, beautiful hydrangeas. This is going to be a great year for hydrangeas, I think, all over Atlanta. If you want to see some pretty ones, the Hydrangea Festival in early June is the way to go. Four-pack, third caller, 404-741-0750. Lance Walheim from Bayer Advanced, BioAdvance now, will be with us in the next couple of hours. We'll talk to him about lawns, pesticides, anything you want to ask as far as his expertise goes as well. At 6.58, we'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news.